Okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember, you were swagging Jack in some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Till the end of time. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. WSUT's after further review kind of took a little bit of a vacation because it was getting a little hectic during the summer with myself and Frank Vashner had AAU basketball in the month of July and he had referee conferences to get to and then I had a couple coach coaches clinics but we're back here in the saddle in the hot month of August and guess who's also back here riding in the, on the saddle that is Darren Cohn the coach Darren welcome back to the show we haven't talked to you in about three or four months yes sir what's up Frank Derek thanks for having me guys always a pleasure always a pleasure to join you guys and talk about whatever's top of mind for you oh yeah that's right is it we are talking always basketball here with uh Darren Cohn the coach and Darren how's your summer been yeah not bad not bad you know weather's been great basketball has been great so just staying busy and uh you know and trying to trying to enjoy the good life the best i can with all the crazy things going on in our world right now yeah, trying that, to stay safe and healthy that's right and have you been playing basketball or are you still play basketball no 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 I'll, I'll talk about it coach it and watch it you know you get out there trying to play it i'm at that point in life where you get injured it's <laughs> that, <that's, laughs> too long to recover that is true i'm still playing a little bit and you know you got to school some of the young kids but once again thanks so much always uh giving us some great content and insight on basketball and the first thing we're going to talk about actually with you darren is, is the fact that uh the olympic basketball i watched it and the olympic team won the gold medal won it but barely my thoughts is or, or my my question to you is your thoughts on this olympic team and has the world caught up with usa men's olympic basketball well, you know, that's a pretty loaded question. I mean, I think, you know, obviously Team USA is the favorite to go into the Olympics pretty much every year, and they were able to win the gold medal. We're talking about the men. Uh, the men were able to go win the gold medal after a slow start. So I, I think in terms of individual talent, you know, the U.S. still has the greatest individual players in the world, but it's it's being diluted down because look at the NBA and look how many international players are on the NBA, not only on rosters, but you know, creeping up towards the top um, of, you know, the talent pool. Heck, the MVP this year was an international player. So, um, you know, across the board, we probably have more high-end players in the U.S. Um, but from the team game in terms of Team USA, you know, we don't have the continuity and the, uh, you know, the experience of being a unified group um, like a lot of the other countries do who, the you know, the players play with each other either year round or for significant amounts or time periods of the year every year and team USA, we sort of throw our best players together two weeks before the Olympics and say, okay, go do your thing. And it's worked out for the most part year in and year out in each Olympics, but um, it's getting going to get to the point where we're going to have to make a tough decision 
Do we continue to go with our best players of the pros? And do we demand them a larger time commitment um, prior to the games? Or do we go back to maybe the amateur teams and try to make the best teams we can of amateurs uh, and, and have them be more committed year-round um, to the, the USA basketball program? Um, and I think you can even see that with the women. You know, the women you know, won the gold. And not only did they win the gold, they won the seventh straight gold medal in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. But the women, um, you know, they've had some some extreme continuity with a lot of the same players um, year in and year out. Uh, when you when you talk about um, Tarasi and Bird and that type of thing, even with uh, the men's group, you know, we use our best players, but we don't have the same players every Olympics. We have a few of them. But there's a huge turnover each and every Olympics of the amount of uh, or of the of the key guys. You look at this Olympics compared to just the past and you no know, LeBron, no Kobe, you know, a lot, lot more younger players, not a ton of continuity um, other than, you know, Durant, and that type of thing. So it, it's just harder to to perform at the highest gold medal level in a quote unquote team game when USA basketball really isn't an established team. It's the best players thrown together and, and sort of a helter skelter rapid fire. Let's go do this. You know, it reminds you almost of, of somehow high end AAU teams are uh, where it's, where it's just not that, that, uh, that bond that I think some of these other countries that really competed for medals this year have. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. And, uh, but, but is the game a little bit different with the international and the NBA? That's what a lot of people were talking about was that you know, the well, rules are you know, different. The, yeah, the, you know, the, the rules, some of the rules are different. The dimensions are different. The, you know, the basketball is different. Yeah, it but is. most importantly, it's officiated differently. Mm-hmm. It's officiated a little bit more physical. And it's also officiated where pretty much from top to bottom of your roster are officiated the same. There's no star treatment like there is perhaps, perhaps I'll say in the NBA, you know, a a, a Kevin Durant or a LeBron James doesn't get officiated in the Olympics any differently than, you know, the sixth man coming off the bench. And I think in the NBA, um, you know, obviously there's star treatment. Obviously there's reputations that are known by the officials. But when you're talking about an international committee of officials that show up a few days before the tournament or the pool play games, you know, they don't have as much of a feel or knowing of the players from all the different countries. So I think, one, they, they, they allow the game to be a little more physical. And two, um, it's, it's called much more evenly, I suppose, would be the, the, the fairest way to say it across later. And so did Drew Holiday, which I think Drew Holiday was the, the key pickup for them, especially defensively. And, and Chris Middleton. Absolutely. And, you know, that gets back to my original point. I mean, you know, you have two weeks to prepare for the Olympics for most of the guys. But you have the guys that were in the NBA finals. I mean, it's like they like showed up at tip off. Basically, this like uh, <laughs> uh, this like my man Shaft. Or I can't think of his name in the movie, like in above the rim. He showed up with his khakis on <laughs> like coach. I'm oh, in. Shepard. I mean, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's 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 how uh, that's how Booker and Middleton and, and Holiday were, and, and you know, Holiday did offer them that steadying, make make other people better, playmaking uh, uh, option for that team. You know, he he was able to just kind of steady the ball, not turn it over, and make other people plays, um, not have to serve himself. And I don't know that they they exactly had that prior to him arriving. Yeah, and now they lost to Nigeria and they lost to Australia. They had two back-to-back losses, and people were just concerned with Greg Popovich's coaching and saying, well, this is an all-time NBA great coach. He needs to be able to coach the Olympics. 
Uh, thoughts on that, how they were just bashing Coach Popovich because of this? Well, you know, you know what I'm going to say. I mean, we live in a negative world with a lot of everybody wants to have their two cents of their mm-hmm. opinion. You know, I don't think I bothered Popovich one bit, and I don't think it bothered the USA players one bit. So if it, if it didn't affect the locker room and the team bus, you know, who cares what everyone else thinks? But, you know, the coolest thing about that, I was happy for my man Mike Brown, you know, former Cavs and Lakers coach, mm-hmm. uh, assistant with the Warriors now. He actually got hired to coach the Nigerian national team. Uh, so that was kind of a cool moment for them. Uh, Mike's a good friend of mine, so I was happy to see that. But, you know, I mean, we, we, we live in an age where everybody has a voice on social media or their podcasts or, you know, sports talk radio or the TV shows. And you got to have something to talk about. And it's much easier to talk about negativity than positivity most of the time. So, you know, when Team USA loses a game and they're supposed to be heavy, heavy favorites, I mean, you're not going to go talk about Kevin Durant, likely. It's easier to talk about the coaching staff and the role players and Kevin, why is Kevin Love on the team and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I mean, but I didn't get caught up too much into that. I figured I wasn't 100,000% sure that USA was going to win the gold, but I knew they were going to win the gold or silver. You know, you, you assume they're going to win the gold, but on any given day in a single elimination game, you You just mentioned it. Well, I wasn't 100% sure they were going to win the gold medal. Well, before – this Olympics and maybe 2016, uh, 2004 was kind of, you know, a, a, a shocker. It was almost in the bag that we were going to win win the gold medal. You know, there wasn't no doubt about that. But if you, if you realize there's a lot of American coaches that have now gone on to other countries and shown them how the proper way, how to play basketball. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, other countries have gotten smart and they put money into their programs and they've said, hey, if we want to beat the best, we're going to we're going to try to you know pull some of the best with us. So not only uh, are there a ton of NBA players playing for other foreign countries, whether it's Luka Doncic or Nick Batoon or, you know, there's tons. The list goes on and on. But they're also bringing over our, our coaches and our knowledge and um, and, and you know, NBA Summer League just finished up in Vegas. And I know you want to talk about that. But one of the things that people aren't aware of is is darn near every foreign country sends their coaches and their GMs and their staffs to Vegas to study and learn. And there's coaches clinics and there's a lot of basketball related things that go on in Las Vegas over the past 10 days that people aren't necessarily privy to um, in terms of like a professional development. So so absolutely, we're, we're they're, they're learning, they're getting better, they're training they're, you know, copying and stealing. What we do is, you know, in sports, you always copy and steal what someone else is doing. And then, you know, the other thing is for past Olympics, the USA has sent like the 12 or 13 best players. Well, we didn't do that this year. You know, we didn't send the, if you look at the NBA all-star game, we didn't pick out the best 12 NBA all-stars and send them. We had a much more um, balanced team of role players and 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 guys who would fit roles and the mindset was you know that we would have better chemistry and a better team flow but we didn't send the 12 best players that are american born in the nba we sent a really good group of really good nba players so um you know i think that that plays a little bit into it as well yeah that's true but but also i could say the counterpoint is even if we sent years ago sent some of the second best or you know role players we still were going to be spanking teams and still getting to the gold medal game and i have to worry about it i mean that's why they always have the argument who's better dream team one or dream team two 
you know, back then in 92 and 94. Wait a minute, who's ever had that argument? There ain't never been no team better than Dream Team 1. Oh, on, Derek, made, Derek Coleman. Daily rollover in the grave with that comment. Derek, Derek Coleman, Larry Johnson has something to say oh, about that. Lord. Isaiah Thomas has something to say about that. It's, check it out. It's been on other podcasts like Knuckleheads. Ooh, hey, they've well, had, they might be saying it, but there ain't never been no team better than Dream Team 1. Shaq, Derek so Coleman, Larry Johnson, Sean Kemp, they've asked oh, them and man. said, hey, who, who, Steve, I think Steve Smith was on that Dream, two, Dream Team 2 team. And that's always the forgotten Dream Team team. Because a lot of people remember Dream Team 1 and 3 because of the Olympics, but then that World Championships in 94, that was a pretty, pretty good team. And Derek Coleman would say that they would, they would give Dream Team 1 a run for their money and, and beat them. Yeah, that was, I mean, obviously every dream team or every Olympic team is an amazing group of talent. But when you look at the first ever dream team, I mean, we're talking, you know, half of the top 25 players to ever play of all time. So, you know, that again, like I said earlier, you know, people have to have something to talk about on the radio and TV and podcast. But there's never been a greater and never will be a greater collection of basketball players than Dream Team 1. At least that's going to be my opinion, and we're putting that on record. Right, right. And, and, and Chris Mullen and, and John Stockton and Carl Malone and Jordan Pippen and all those boys and Chuck Daly, if he was alive, they'd all agree with you. <laughs> Mark Price. and <laughs> we'll, get, and, we'll get Barkley. We'll ask Barkley about yeah, that. We'll Charles, get Barkley going. <laughs> Charles Barkley. They'll, they'll all agree with you on that one. But, you know, yeah, the, rest of the, the rest of the teams, the, the Dream Team, too they would probably try to argue with you about that but the basketball olympic team did win they beat france by five points um so they won the gold and that that was that was pretty good another weird thing that happened was the gold medal game was first and then the bronze medal game was after so they had to wait for the bronze medal game to conclude to do the medal ceremony kind of strange well and that's that's the way it always is with basketball because you don't know who's playing for the silver until they lose in a gold Right. No. Well. No. No. Well. The, the 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 whoever loses in the gold medal game gets the silver automatically. Like in the women's game, the bronze medal game went, and whoever wins that gets third. The loser gets fourth, and then the gold medal game first gets the gold, and the loser gets the silver. In the women's game, it was opposite. It went bronze then gold. So strange. Yes, sir. But they only won. They only won by five. So eighty-seven, eighty-two. Um, but that's how it went. Now moving on, we talked about summer league. Your thoughts on summer league? Big, big in this area because the Pistons got the number one pick, and they got Cade Cunningham, and then the Rockets picked Jalen Green, and Jalen Green said he should have been the number one pick, and then he later on said, "Well, I really didn't want to come to Detroit because it reminded me of the G League bubble." So now it looks like Cade and Jalen will be kind of connected. But what were your thoughts on Summer League? How'd you, did you go to Vegas this year or no? I did not. This, okay. this is the first year I did not go to Summer League in many, many years. Uh, almost went at the last second to help a uh, little coaching in a few of the camps. But then I, I had some other things going on, so just chose not to this year. But, mm. you know, I thought Summer League was fantastic. I think one of the things that the, uh, the NBA did a terrific job, whether it's for better or worse, of – monetizing summer league not that they haven't for the last few years but even more so this year with the endorsements and the advertising and the length of summer league um and they added a lot of different features um the entertainment there never used to be entertainment at summer league uh, yeah. so they made it darn near like regular season games um and the amount of people who attended um, from a player standpoint and a celebrity standpoint um you know the nba really amped that up and, and, and turned in 
um, you know, made up some revenue from COVID from last year from mm-hmm. TV and, and promotional and advertising and apparel and that type of thing. So um, it's, it's really been interesting how uh, Summer League has evolved over the last decade, which was, was really at one point just a player development opportunity to now it's, it's, it's an entertainment entity just like the regular season. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, the, the, you know, it was very competitive. I thought the players were great. I think a lot of the young coaches got a chance to uh, show, you know, what they can do. And, and, and some of the guys who are mid to lower on the bench of NBA uh, staffs, you know, get a chance to uh, be at the front of the bench during summer league. They also changed the rules a little bit on who can participate in summer league. So there was more older players this year. Oh, really? Um, that didn't, I didn't know that rule. The rule was it what 21 and up or something or well, obviously maybe. Uh, so, so I believe it used to be, um, it's changed a couple of times, but it used to be, I believe you had to be within four years of your draft year to still play in summer league. Oh. And they basically relented that. So there were some older players, um, who are trying to rekindle their, their life in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And there, there's some, you know, players like, uh, injury rehab type stuff. So, mm-hmm. so it was, it was a wider pool of players to pick from. Um, but no, I thought, I thought it was great and it served its purpose. And, you know, you got to see a lot of young guys show out and, and, uh, you know, the draft picks with, with Mitchell and Cam Thomas being named co MVPs. And, you know, oh, that's the other thing is there never used to be like a first and second team all summer league and, I all, saw these that. And, and all this. And, uh, so again, it, it, it's back to, uh, monetizing and entertainment value for the fans where at one point it was strictly like a player development and a, a, uh, uh, a binoculars eye view for the coaching staffs and, and player personnel management. So it's, it's interesting to see how that evolved. But no, I think it was great, and the NBA did a great job of keeping it safe, uh, player-friendly, fan-friendly. Um, LeBron, and, and LeBron LeBron made someone happy, a fan. You see that? Took the selfie with LeBron when he came to one of the Laker games. Oh, I saw he was at a few and had Westbrook with him at one. Yep, but, that one, um, yep. So I'm talking to a couple comedians and rappers and that kind of thing. But, you know, so it's neat, you know, because years ago, um, you know, the star players weren't even going to come to summer league to see rookies and that type of thing. And now it's sort of almost like it's it's become, you know, what it's become from a pure basketball standpoint, it's become more popular within the industry uh, than the all-star weekend. And the all-star weekend used to be like the NBA convention, if you will, Mm -hmm. for employees and staff and, coaches and in front office well now the all-star weekend if you're not participating in it individually it's become much more of like a vacation and nba summer league has become the business conference so it's been it's been kind of uh, neat to see how that's evolved yeah it does make sense i know it's a lot of trainers and everything like that go go there too or or it basically like you said it's like a basketball conference networking kind of deal yep absolutely we, absolutely for the professional basketball arena if you're not out there um you're you know you're missing out that's why it's uh you know, it was a it was a tough decision for me to, this year uh, to miss it for the first time in a long time. But I was okay. I enjoyed I enjoyed a few days away and not having to be on an airplane. Yeah, wheeling and dealing. Can you explain to people though? And I kind of know this: the levels of basketball. I've been seeing this a lot. Like uh, Peyton Pritchard from Boston goes to some Portland pro am and scores ninety two points. Then he plays the Sacramento Kings for the championship game, and Davian Mitchell pretty much put him on lock. <laughs> Can you explain that there's levels to this and people shouldn't go overboard about the summer league? I mean, I, mean, I like the summer league. I like watching. It's great to have basketball on TV. But people are, like, judging some of these rookies 
whether or not they have a good or bad summer league. And it's like, guys, guys, it's just summer league. You know, these are guys that are mostly not going to be in the league or, you know, guys that, you know, are trying to, you know, work their way in the league. And then there's going to be those higher level guys that are just working on their game and working on stuff. There's levels to this game. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, when you when you go to any pro-am around the country and there's about 20 to 25 reputable pro-ams, um, you know, there's only about two or three pros in the whole league. <laughs> so, you know, those pros tend to really show out. And, you know, approximately 75% of players in NBA Summer League will not be on the NBA roster, between, you know, um, this upcoming fall. So it's a lot of you know, it's an opportunity for those young guys to who will be who the high draft picks to, um, you know, get some early experience against a higher level competition, maybe than college or high school, or wherever they're coming from. But it's still a far cry from the real deal. You know, um, you know, like I said, about 25 percent of those guys will actually be on a full time NBA roster. It fluctuates a little bit from year to year, but it's typically never more than a third. Most of those guys are getting cut, getting waived, going overseas, retiring, whatever it may be in terms of their particular um, and, and their, their particular uh, spot in their career. And I'll give you a good example, and his name's slipping my mind right now. Uh, is it Littleson? Yes, yeah, I was going to say, I was gonna, Spencer Littleson from Toledo said, you know, thanks to Detroit Pistons, but he signed a contract with Belgium. Right. So, like, Spencer Littleson had a great summer league, mm-hmm. great summer league, and showed out, had some double-digit games, shot the ball really well, and it's great exposure for the University of Toledo Rockets, and it was great exposure for him. But ultimately, he knew going into it, like, there was, like, a 99% chance that he wasn't going to get signed by an NBA team. In fact, he already had his Belgium uh, contract set up. But what, what that can do is it can propel guys who play in NBA summer league to get paid more when they go overseas. Um, and, and those overseas teams are able to market those players differently because they can market guys who quote unquote had an NBA experience in the summer league. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a really, it's a, in a way it's, it's sort of like almost like a global political thing for basketball and a lot of players on those rosters, um, you know, it's, it's GMs getting favors or, or, or agents getting favors. Like Spencer definitely probably has a great agent or there was some sort of relationship that got him on that Pistons roster. And I don't know, and, and this is no disrespect to him, uh, you know, but I don't know that anyone involved thought that he had a legitimate chance to make the Pistons this year. However, because he performed so well, now that puts him on the radar when he goes overseas, if he does well overseas, one, he was able to probably get more money because he was in summer league as opposed to just coming from a mid-American conference school. And then two, if he does well, he pops up on the radar faster to have a chance to come back to the NBA G League or a potential NBA team. And I'll give you kind of this is the future. I'll give you the past example of another Northwest Ohio guy, Brian Roberts from Toledo mm-hmm. St. John's and, and University of Dayton, played an NBA summer league and did well, but had no chance of getting on an NBA team. And then he goes over to Germany, does great for a couple of years. And then when there was a need and an opening, he was able to come back with a nice smooth transition because he was already on that radar as performing well in summer league came back signed in the nba and then turned that into several multi-year uh uh, uh, uh contracts and and career here in the u.s in the nba so that's sort of the the springboard effect it can have you're you're almost like planting seeds for the future where guys who don't play in nba summer league and go overseas they can be league mvp and it's very 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 hard for them to get that opportunity to come back yeah, and, and you, speaking about Brian Roberts, I remember when he first came out of Dayton, and uh, 
he was going up against Rodney Stuckey, and he just couldn't get around him. And Stuckey was Stuckey was too big, but he did okay in summer league. But then he played about a good three to four years in Germany, like you said. And then when he came back, his second stint around, he was with the Pelicans at the time, New Orleans. And then that's when he got his shot to be in the NBA. And like you said, after 2012, he played, I believe he played five seasons in the NBA. Um, so, you know, he played with Dame Lillard all in Portland as well. So, he, yeah, that's that's a great example that you gave there. Yep, and that's exactly how, how that stuff can work. Um, speaking of Rodney Stuckey, do you know who his famous doppelganger is? No. Oh, come on, man, 50 Cent. Rodney Stuckey and 50 Cent look like twin brothers. Oh, that is true. That is true. <laughs> I will tell you this. I remember when he dunked on, I think it was Chris Bosh, he told a fan about to go dunk on him. I was at a Pistons game. This was at the Palace. And it was, you know, 2011. 2011, I believe, was the first year of the, of, of the Heat. And he told a fan at the sideline, watch this. I'm going to dunk on him. And he caught the ball at the top of the key, drove down the lane, and dunked on him. <laughs> Just Gave him the old Babe Ruth, called his shot. Exactly. And that tells you the different levels. Real quick, NBA Finals, thoughts? Man, you know, well, you know I was with Milwaukee Bucks at different times, so I'm very, very happy. Uh, that they were able to win. Uh, Coach Budenhauser, uh, you know, gave me a shot when he was with Atlanta. I worked for them for three years. So I'm so stoked and happy for um, the whole organization. Like the, the GM of the Bucks is a, was, a, was a small college player from Michigan, and he's worked his way up through the, through the ranks. And, and then Bud, Coach Bud, you know, brought a lot of the same guys from Atlanta. So there's a lot of ties there. Um, you know, my man, Bryn Forbes, I recruited him in college. I've known him and his family since oh, wow. he was about 12 years old. And um, and I can't even think of the guy's name. It comes off the bench. Nader, Nader uh, was actually on the all-freshman team at Northern Illinois in the MAC when I was still coaching at Central Michigan. So I played against him multiple times and, and coached against him. And then he transferred to Iowa State and ended up making it to the NBA. And then Giannis is just – Giannis is just one of the best dudes and best stories in the NBA. He's – guy and he's and he's taking the long road he's taking the stairs um and um he's loyal to to milwaukee so it was really great to see them get rewarded uh i thought the finals was awesome you know i have so many ties to the phoenix club as well so i would have been happy either way um i i uh i I honestly when you look at it i think when you go player for player you know both teams really played eight players in the finals and i think it's really hard to argue that phoenix doesn't have better personnel when you look at that top eight and that phoenix on paper maybe wasn't a better team but i think um their chemistry just kind of got a little out of whack there in that finals and they looked a little tired i thought milwaukee played with more juice and more holiday i didn't think was great in the playoffs actually i thought he was a little disappointing considering the contract that he assigned but he had two really good games in the finals uh and the bucks were able to win both of those games so i think that was key uh, but man, I thought it was really, really high level basketball because when you start, when you look back before this season starting, you know, Milwaukee had had a, a, several great years, but I don't think anyone was just like, you know, hell bent on Milwaukee and or Phoenix being in the NBA finals. So the fact that it was someone new, it wasn't the Lakers, it wasn't the Clippers, it wasn't the Brooklyn Nets uh, or the Miami Heat, you know, kind of the teams that were maybe on the top of the list that you would think heading into the finals. I, I kind of felt like it was some new kids on the block. I love the freshness. I love the energy of it. And then I love that the series was just intense. So it was a, it was a great series. It was good pure basketball from a 
from a, a viewer standpoint, entertainment wise, and also from a coaching standpoint, just enjoying the technical analysis of the hoops, man, I, I really enjoyed it. It was one of my favorite finals I can remember in the last decade or so. And, um, you know, kudos to Milwaukee and um, glad they got one and, you know, on to the next one. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens next year because there's been so many, uh, so many, so many changes in free agency and there's so many players that were injured this year that should be back and healthy. So it's going to be, going to be a fun upcoming season with this short turnaround before uh, uh, camp starts off again. So wait a minute, go back, go back. So you actually gave Devin Booker his first college offer, and you said he, he lived in Grand Rapids. I didn't know he lived in Grand Rapids. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. His mom's from Grand Rapids. He, he lived in Grand Rapids, played high school his first two years, played for an AAU program called the Grand Rapids Storm. Yeah, Jason on, Martin's the director of them. Yeah, they're on the I, Under Armour. On Under Armour. Yeah, so, at the time they weren't, but they are now. Um, so I had signed, I was the recruiting quarter at Central Michigan University for six years, and I had signed uh, four kids from the Grand Rapids Storm, and then we had two preferred walk-ons. So I had six players from the Grand Rapids Storm. So I would go to every one of their games, 14 and under, 15 and under, 16 and under, 17 and under, and Devin was playing on the 15 and under, and they had a pretty good team. Um, and they had a couple big kids, and, um, you know, and, and I remember we, we watched them play uh, in Milwaukee at um, – uh, NY2L, Anthony Curl's event, and then he came back and they had their own, they used to host their own tournament called Brawl for the Ball in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. I believe they still have Indiana it. Now. They, they still have uh, it, yeah. Well, but, it got moved yeah. It got moved to Indiana because of COVID, Correct. but yeah, usually it's up there in Grand Rapids, yeah. Correct. So after that tournament, um, normally, you know, in AAU season, you go to uh, a tournament for like half a day, a one day, and you're on to the next spot because you got so many guys to see. And that particular year, we had so many targets from that program that I literally sat there for three straight days of this tournament and watched every single game of that program, each age group. Wow. And um, and we had, had signed a couple of kids off the 17-year-olds or got commitments from them that month. Um, who we ultimately ended up signing, and we offered a kid on the 15 and under, which was Devin Booker, who ultimately ended up moving to Mississippi and then blowing up and ended up at Kentucky. <laughs> wow. So he went to Mississippi, then went to – so, wow, that's crazy. What yeah, he, he transferred to Moss Point High School in Mississippi, which was really interesting because I knew all the coaches there because prior to coming to Central Michigan, I was, uh, I was at um, uh, Stephen F. Austin in Texas, and they had a kid, last name Booker, no relation, who I recruited from Moss Point, Mississippi, to Stephen F. Austin. And he ended up blowing up kind of late and going to UNC Charlotte. So I didn't get either one of them. But it was funny. It was funny how, how I already had that connection. Wow, you got a good eye for talent, my man. <laughs> well, you know, you know, got to do something with this radio face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is good, pretty good. That, you know, you know I, I know who Brawl for the Ball is. I think it'll probably go back up to Grand Rapids next year. They had a few tournaments. Um, they actually had a couple prep hoop tournaments up there. But, yeah, Brawl for the Ball is – a really good it's almost on 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 comparison to the speech tournament that they have at fort wayne in early may so yeah a little little smaller but absolutely absolutely very well run very well organized i mean you know that 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 group that group and they have such such great community support for the event so it's always going to be first class wow like i said i learned something new every day i didn't know that devin booker was actually from around this area actually that, that that's crazy absolutely matter of fact he even he shouted out uh uh, Grand Rapids in one of the uh, post-game press conferences, and he talked about a young man who played in the same AAU program named Drake Harris. Drake Harris was a tremendous basketball player, but he was an even better football player, and he went to the University of Michigan and played football at U of M, and he was talking about 
when he was a you know a young kid in Grand Rapids, how he looked up to Drake Harris and he wanted to be Drake Harris. Um, so it was, it was kind of a kind of a neat story because I'm like, yeah, Drake used to come to my basketball camps, but he was such a highly touted football recruit. You know, there was no chance of him playing round ball. Hmm. All right, last topic, Katie and and, and Durant talking or Katie and Draymond Green talking about why Durant possibly left and was a little quarrel thing. And like you said, now with social media, everybody has a podcast show. Well, now the players are now empowered with the podcast show. And a lot of people think it's nice and raw and real. And I played this clip earlier for you. You said you could kind of relate to this as you've been coaching for so many years. But this was just an interesting take about what that what happened there. It wasn't the argument. It was the the way that everybody, Steve Kerr, act like it didn't happen. Bob Myers and tried to just discipline you and think that that would put the mask over everything. I really felt like that was such a big situation for us as a group. The first time we went through something like that, we had to get it all out. I remember watching the last dance and when Scotty didn't go into the game, the whole team in the locker room said, Scotty, that was up that you did that. We needed that. We just needed to throw all of that table and say yo Dre K like that was up that we even had to go through that let's just wipe our hands with that and go go finish the task I don't think we did that we tried to dance around it I just didn't like how all of that just the vibe between all of that it just made weird to me and I'd rather us be who we say we are family first communication is key like we didn't show that and that's what rubbed me the wrong way more than anything your thoughts on that where beef happens among the team but here this is when or uh, Draymond called out Kevin Durant saying that he was going to leave and it was during a game but they kind of flipped it and try to kind of blame the coaches and the GM which is kind of weird I've never seen that before usually when there's beef with the players that stays with the players and normally the players just figure it out on their own so yes and no there's been many a teams that have faltered and, and imploded from inside and many a championships lost due to bad chemistry um, or poor management of that chemistry, you know, and, it, and it's a whole different level at the pros when, when you got uh, egos and celebrity status and, and players making more than the, than the management and that kind of thing. So it's always such a fine line, but basically he's saying, look, I felt Draymond was out of line and no one disciplined him. We just let it go. No one, he never got disciplined and we tried to sweep it under the rug and see if the players would handle it on their own. Well, in this case, he felt like, Hey, you know, Management should have handled something. Management should have come in. Leadership should have, you know, had a round table, had a discussion, had suspension, discipline, whatever it may be. But that wasn't okay. And and from from the management or coaching standpoint, clearly they were like, well, we're going to let the players handle this themselves. And it didn't work out that time. Now, if they would have came in and, 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 and put all kinds of sanctions or discipline or created a big fuss about it, you know, some of the players probably would have complained about that. So it's always such a gray area of managing, you know, the personalities, the people, the the chess pieces within the room. And that is one of the most underwritten or undercovered stories in sports. The great coaches or the great Cinderella runs or the great overachievement stories, I think it's always attributed to like this interconnectedness between the bench and the and the athletes or the management and the bench and the athletes. And it, it's probably the most underrated but most important thing in success overall. Um, and that's exactly what he's alluded to. And the leadership chose to handle it one way. And, you know, KD is a sensitive dude. 
and there's a lot of sensitivity in professional sports right now. And ultimately, that what he's saying is that's ultimately led to being one of the, 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 the straw that broke the camel's back of why he left and went to another team. Now, maybe he would have anyway, or maybe the team would have performed differently anyway. Um, but at least in point that, that, that small microscopic segment of that interview, you know, he's saying, Hey, this was my problem with how that scenario was handled. Uh, but I, I find it really, really interesting that the question is coming from Draymond Green, who ultimately was the villain in KD's mind for the particular scenario. So, you know, it's a neat piece. I'm glad you brought that up, but dynamics of, 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 uh, of the behind the scenes, is so 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 key and vital to any 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 sp- professional sports, college sports, high school sports, and 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 really, you know, startup companies, you know, businesses that are making huge moves, whether they're doubling in size or whatnot. It always comes down to those interpersonal relationships and the level of togetherness. He said communication is key, family first. But like, how real is that? How real is it real? Are we feeling it? Are we all on board or is it just a sign on the wall or something we say? <laughs> that is true. Just a slogan. <laughs> yep. Well, but, but you, you go into every locker room, every office, every business in the world, there's either a mission statement, a motto, uh, core values, you know, a chant, something. But, but 90% of them are, are crap. Because people aren't bought into it. Right. So you got to be bought in to really achieve that next level, those special moments, those special achievements in life and business and sports, whatever it may be. And, and I think that's kind of the, the root of what he was getting at there. Actions are louder than words. Now, with Draymond Green, camp's right around the corner. He's doing all this stuff. You didn't. You just didn't throw your coach under the bus and your GM. When he walked, goes back to Golden State, what's going to happen? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know that uh, Green – at least from my vantage point, I don't know that Green threw them under the bus. I felt like that was more Durant throwing them under the bus. And Green, as the host of that show, was sort of, you know, saying he respected the opinion or he agreed with the opinion. But, but you know, it, it, it's been no secret that Kerr and Green have had a borderline volatile relationship or a very edgy relationship from day one. I mean, Green's just one of them type of dudes. He's another guy from Saginaw High School. I mean, I've known D- Draymond since he was 12 or 13 years old. He's a high-energy, high-intensity guy, and that's what you love about him. That's why an undersized guy has succeeded in the NBA, but it also sometimes would get him in trouble from, from, from time to time. Sometimes his outbursts or his mouth, well, oftentimes well-intended, aren't always well-received. He's a smart dude. He gets it. He understands. He'll probably be a great coach or a great commentator someday, mm-hmm. but sometimes he speaks too loudly and too quickly um, and it's not always received the best, but I, I truly believe his intent is, is always about, you know, Draymond just wants to win. He's a, he's a success driven guy, but I, I said something on my Facebook page that I've gotten so many calls and texts about recently, the driven will never understand those that aren't driven and those that aren't driven will never understand the driven, um, a little bit of play on words, but Draymond is driven and he doesn't have patience or respect for those that aren't uh or maybe an incident that he perceives as not being in line with the ultimate goal and he 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 doesn't bite his tongue and sometimes that's good sometimes that's bad and i in in this situation you can see kind of how that ended up yeah later in the interview he did get suspended and they told him he needed to apologize and he laughed in their face and then told them that they were going to f up this whole situation but you you, dream i was a player you recruited as well didn't you 
So I was around Draymond. Uh, we didn't necessarily recruit him. Draymond, uh, if you remember the backstory, Draymond committed to Kentucky as like after his freshman year in high school, maybe wow. starting going into his sophomore year. So he committed to Kentucky very, very, very early. And I was recruiting a guy on his team uh, named Daniel West. And Daniel West ended up going to Tennessee later and then uh, ended up uh, having some issues at Tennessee and had to leave. But I, would, I was over at Saginaw High School as much as the NCAA rules would allow it. It was only a one-hour drive. So I've known Draymond forever. But he, had, he was committed to Kentucky. And when Tubby Smith left Kentucky and went to Minnesota, Draymond decommitted. So uh, Tubby Smith had coached the Saginaw High School coach at the time, a guy named Lou Dawkins, mm. and now and he had played for Tubby at Tulsa, so that's where that relationship was. But when Tubby went to Minnesota, Draymond said, "Well, I'm not going to go to Minnesota if I'm going to play in the Big Ten. You know, then I'll probably go to Michigan or Michigan State." So he reopened his commitment, and then like three weeks later, committed to Michigan State and Tom Izzo, and the rest was history. So basically, from from almost the time that I knew Draymond, he was committed like literally his whole career on where he was supposed to go. It just flip flopped because of the coaching change. Wow, he must have been really special if he was getting committed and after freshman year to Kentucky. Well, he had all the tools. He wasn't quite there yet. Mm -hmm. You know, he was kind of a, a chubby, had a lot of baby fat, but he had all the tools and skill set. Uh, and he was a and he was a vocal leader, and he played for a very good program. Like they won uh, multiple state championships. They had good players ahead of him. And they had good players come after him. So he was always surrounded by Division One players. Uh, and he was just sort of like the next man up when it was his turn. Mm, nice. Well, once again, always always giving us those tidbits. What's coming up next for you, though? Oh, my God. After this, I got to take a nap sharing you, sharing you all this knowledge. All this knowledge. Mm. No, I mean, nothing exciting. Just uh, just continuing with the grind, man. Always got something going on, staying busy. Uh, but, you know, staying close to the game and, and paying those bills. That's about it, my friend. Trying to... Uh, stay healthy and safe and, and enjoy the last few weeks of summer before we start to get that Midwest weather here because uh, fall is just around the corner. Well, we get those Indian summers, so you don't have to you don't have to really worry about that weather until when, well, basically when basketball is about to start, which for girls is October 22nd and boys October 29th. There you go. And hopefully it's a it's a it's a clean start with no delays and no issues. So so everybody can have full seasons this year. That'll be That'll be exciting and looking forward to that for sure. And by the way, high school football actually starts on Thursday here in this area, but the full slate on Friday. Hmm. Yeah, I know. It seemed like it was really fast. I felt like they just started practicing, and I saw a lot of the coaches on social media talking about their first game and showing off the new uniforms and that kind of thing. So it's exciting stuff. Uh, you know, obviously football is not my number one thing, but I have a lot, a lot of friends who are coaches and uh and in the coaching industry so i always love keeping up with them and i'm just happy uh that the season's starting as as planned and as scheduled because you know coaches put in a lot of work um and a lot of it is thankless it's it's, it's sort of uh you know especially at the high school level they're they're barely getting paid or not getting paid at all but they put in a lot of time and effort uh partially for the love of the game but i think most more importantly deep down for the love of people and the love of kids so that's why to me it doesn't matter if it's basketball or volleyball or football i have mad respect for anyone who's dedicating their personal time, um, you know, at that high school level to, to get out there. And you think about a football coach, they've been out in the sun for three hours already today, sweating and, <laughs> you know, working with these young kids and, 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 and they got parents complaining at them and everybody's unhappy and they're still just come show up every day to try to try to impact young people. And there's a lot of value in that because our young people need, need the guidance and need the impactful people in their lives. Um, probably right now more than ever.
Yeah, and that's that's a good thing to, uh, to end on with that. Thanks so much, Darren, for calling in, my man. Absolutely, man. Have a blessed rest of the day, and we'll be in touch soon. All right, later, Darren. That was Darren Cohn, the coach, here on 88.3 WGTs. After further review, just dropping that knowledge for you all the time. If you missed the show, um, you can always hit us hit us up. Actually, i got to change some stuff on iTunes, WGTs After Further Review, or on SoundCloud, WGTs After Further Review, with a picture of Frank Bastion on the horse's head. We loaded some shows for you. We're on the SoundCloud, but I forgot to link it to the iTunes, so those will be up with you as soon as possible once again this has been a presentation of 88.3 wgt's after further review more after this